Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I would love it if you have a Bible, if you would turn in your Bible to John's Gospel and chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the passage will come up on the screen. Um, uh, If you have a Bible on uh, some kind of device, um, then open it on your device. Don't play Angry Birds, you'll go to hell, etc., etc., all that kind of stuff. Um, And uh, and those of you who only have Bible on a device, um, here's the thought. You can now get it in print. You can. It's a new thing. You can get it in print. And uh, that's good as well because then you can take notes and all that kind of stuff. So bring your Bibles along when you come because particularly in this next few weeks, I think it's maybe eight to ten weeks, we're going to study in the book of John. And what we're going to do in the book of John is we're going to just dissect the person of Jesus which sounds like the kind of thing a church should do, really, isn't it? We're just going to take a look at the person of Jesus. There is a character who stands head and shoulders above every other character of history in in, in magnitude and in beauty and in brilliance. And, And in this person of Jesus, lives get changed. Situations get transformed. People get healed. Others get saved. And everything changes. And so over the next 10 weeks, all we want to do is just say, well, who really is this person called Jesus? And I want to start off by talking about choices. Every single one of us lives our life by choices. And the the outcomes of your life are dictated by the choices that you make depending upon the experiences that you have, basically. You make choices in life to do certain things and to not do other things. In fact, you made a thousand choices today. Some of them were big, huge things. Some of them were little trivial. Some were pathetic things. But you made a whole bunch of choices. You decided to wear what you're wearing. You, 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 you decided to come early or late. You decided to eat what you ate. There's a whole bunch. You decided to not watch the New Zealand rugby match to its finale and come here instead. Good decision-ish. You decided to do all, There's a whole bunch of things that you decided to do today which will have impact on the whole of your life. So uh, before we get into anything really serious, I want to play a game. Can I play a game? Three people think I can play a game. After all, it is church. We don't play games in church. The game I want to play is called Choices. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, sh- I'm going to call out two different things, and you have to decide which one you're going to choose. And the way in which you tell me which one you're going to choose is you shout it out. Okay? So let's try it. You up for this? Now eight of you. Brilliant. We're doing well. Uh, so the way we're going to do this is I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go Chinese or Indian food. All right? Wow. Let's do that again. Chinese or Indian? Excellent. Here we go then. Uh, TVs or novels? Wow. Downton Abbey or the Rugby World Cup? Downton World Cup. Amazing. Uh, Indoors or outdoors? Ah, Glass half full, glass half empty? Bath or shower? Me time or party time? Save or spend? Oh, oh, spend, 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 spend. Plan ahead or last minute? Last minute, excellent. Dairy milk or galaxy? Both, why not? Uh, Beer or wine? Edinburgh or Glasgow? 
Wow. England or Scotland? England. Brilliant. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Now, listen. You enjoy that? We can do interaction, can't we? It's this church. There is a choice. There are many, many choices. Thousands of them. You will choose things every day that will have impact on your life, sometimes trivial impact, very often massive impact on your life. There is one choice at the heart of the universe, a universal choice which will make a difference to everything. And that is the decision you make regarding the person of Jesus. How central he is to your life. How much you stand the weight of your life upon him. What you think about him will dictate who you become and what you do and how you act and the outcomes of your life. It will even determine whether you have life or don't have life, according to the scriptures. There is a choice at the heart of everything. And the choice is what you do with this person called Jesus. And I knew, I knew that from a very early age because I grew up in church. I actually did grow up in church. I spent all of my time in church when I was growing up. My dad was a pastor, and we spent the whole time in church. We put out the chairs. We handed out the hymn sheets. We did everything. We were always in church. We were in church all day Sunday. We were always in church. And I wasn't a rebel. I was a keno. I was the one at the front going, me, 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 me. And we knew that Jesus was the choice because we used to have these things called children's talks. You ever heard of those? When we were kids, we had this thing called children's talks. And it basically meant when you were kids, you didn't have like the, the, the whole sermon thing from the, from the pulpit. But, but there was this little bit when they got all the kids around and then they would have these conversations and the, and the pastor or the minister would say, I'm thinking about something, children. What do you think I'm thinking about? And the answer was always Jesus. It didn't matter what it started with. The answer was always Jesus. It could be a rabbit. It could be a dog. It could be a boat. But it was Jesus. I was always all over it. It was always Jesus. Back in the day, it was very simple. It's really simple. If I was frightened at night, the answer was Jesus. If I didn't have friends at school and I didn't know how to handle it, the answer was Jesus. And then I grew up. I grew up, and, and, and as I grew up, the answer suddenly became somebody else or something else or some other solution or something that I'd wrapped away in my head or, 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 or something that somebody else had, and the answer stopped being Jesus. And I kind of wonder if my childhood wisdom was greater than my adult wisdom. I sometimes wonder if actually my childhood wisdom was greater than my adult wisdom because I kind of think... The answer is Jesus. And, and I guess depending upon your particular image of Jesus, and everyone has one. As soon as I say the name Jesus, you have an image that flashes to your head, an idea that you've got in your head or your heart. And if you're honest and you could articulate it, you come up with a whole variety of different images that you've got of Jesus. Depending upon your image of Jesus, you agree with me or disagree with me. And you think maybe this is a good series or maybe this is a rubbish series to do. Because some of us have really weird comic strip, comic book character Jesuses that we carry around. Some of us have like a comfort blanket Jesus that we wrap around us and we just get on with life as if he's not important. But every now and again we rub Jesus because that makes us feel good and comfortable because we got Jesus with us. And, and, and he's not relevant to any other part of our life. But we got Jesus and so we can rub Jesus and it's okay because we got Jesus. Some of us don't have comfort blanket Jesus. Some of us have play your joker Jesus. 
or trump card Jesus, which basically means we run around in life ignoring Jesus totally, ruling nothing in and nothing out until life crashes all around us, and then we play our joker card Jesus. And we get on our knees and we pray to a God that we've never prayed to before because suddenly we're so desperate we'll try anything, and he's our joker card Jesus. And others of us, we don't have that at all, but we, we actually just have favorite swear word Jesus. You know, Jesus never gets articulated out of your mouth unless you get cut up in traffic or you stub your toe or you bang your head. And then it's Jesus. It's the only time he ever comes out of your mouth or into your head because it's just Jesus. And others of us, we don't do that at all, but we have kind of freedom fighter Jesus or moral truth Jesus. He's the one that backs up our earnestly held beliefs about everything. And Jesus says this and Jesus thinks this and we can quote a verse about it. And he's our freedom fighter Jesus And I guess still more of us, we just have middle-class Jesus. Nice addition to a comfortable life, Jesus. You know, we've got got a house, we've got the family, we've got the career, we've got enough money to make us secure, we've got friendships, we've got kudos, and we've got Jesus. And he kind of completes the deal. It's like winner, winner, winner. Three in a row, we've got Jesus. And I think the Apostle John wants to say, do you know what? The most important reason why I wrote this book is so that you would really get to know what Jesus looks like. Because none of those things are helpful when it comes to understanding Jesus. And you will never live in freedom as a follower of Jesus unless you begin to understand what Jesus really is all about. And what he really does. And how he really changes things. And so the Apostle John begins to write. Let's let's get into this. John chapter 1. He says this. And what you need to understand is the reason for studying the Apostle John. And I hope you'll forgive me for this. But the reason for studying the Apostle John is that not only is he the one that Jesus loves according to John. So we have to be a bit suspicious of that. I'm the disciple Jesus loves. Okay, John. Um, but, but also, he's clearly the smart one. Okay, I mean, he's, he's, like, he's kind of, you know, deep stuff. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word. You know, he's, he, he gets things. And, and so not only is he really close to Jesus, but he really understands Jesus. You get the impression that, 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 that Mark, when he's writing, and it was probably Peter who was the eyewitness who gave the stuff to Mark, that he just kind of, you know, he kind of knows what happened and it's very chronological and it's straight, you know. This is the stuff, this is how it happened, this is where it... But John, he really gets Jesus. So he says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light that so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. 
Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And John is basically saying, this is who Jesus is. And throughout John 2, 3, 4, all the way through to John 21, John is going to give us this incredible picture of the person of Jesus. But here at the very beginning, he frames it in what sounds like philosophical terms, but actually he's going to frame it very directly and helping us understand this is who Jesus is, and this is what he stands for, and this is what it's all about. He starts off by saying, you know, Jesus is God's statement to a broken world. Jesus is the word of God. John says he's the, he, he's the word logos. He doesn't say he's the deed of God, because if he was the deed of God, it would be a one-moment deal, and you couldn't trust him to be relevant for now. He doesn't call him the thought of God, because actually if he was the thought of God, he might be passive and potential, and Jesus is actually actual and actualized. He doesn't call him the feeling of God, because he is concrete and experienced. He's way more than a feeling. He says he's the word. And you and I begin to think, well, that sounds really philosophical. If he's the word of God, what does that mean? But you see, those who were reading this and listening to this the first time they heard it understood completely what John was saying. Because what he had done is quite brilliantly taken two concepts of, ancient, of the ancient world and he welded them together in one thought that perfectly helped people understand who Jesus was. He'd taken a Greek concept, the word logos, and the word logos in the Greek was the ordering and framing principle in the universe. It was the structure of the universe. And John is saying God is, Jesus is, God is the ordering and structuring of the universe. He's the framework of the universe. Everything starts in him. Everything has its completion in him. He's the word. And to the Hebrews, the Hebrews understood the word word or the word logos as being the creative and redeeming principle in the universe. So they understood that, 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 that when he was saying the word, he was saying that God is the one who started it all. God is the one who breathed it all into being. God is the one who's creating it all. And, and John had taken those words and he welded them together and he says, Do you know, Jesus is the word of God. He's the statement of God. He's God's first word. He's God's last word. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know God's opinion on anything, check out Jesus because he is the word of God. In Jesus, God is getting expressive. He's kind of outing himself. In Jesus, God is revealing his order and his creativity. This is what I'm like. This is what I'm for. In Jesus, God is making a statement. And God has been hinting about this for many, many hundreds of years. Throughout the Old Testament, he hinted about who he was and what he does in his names. I am Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of the angel armies. I'm huge and I'm powerful. I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. I care and I'm compassionate. He's hinting about all these things. But now he's finally revealing himself. Verse 14, he put on skin and he moved into the neighborhood. He's fleshing out God for us. 
So we can be under no illusions as to what God is like and what God feels and what God thinks because we can check out Jesus and we can say, take a look at Jesus. Take a look at the way he speaks. Take a look at the way he loves. Take a look at his compassion and his mercy and his care and his power and his authority. And you, you get to understand God. And in one massive statement, God explodes the myth that he is somehow distant and detached and removed. Because he put on skin and he lived amongst us. And in one incredible lifetime, God explodes the myth that he is uncaring and he is unconcerned because he lived amongst us and he included the excluded and he healed the sick and he taught the lost and he said, come join me. He's, he's, he's up for anybody. And in one unparalleled, unprecedented moment, God explodes the myth that he is unmerciful and unpleasable as he hangs on a cross for the rebellion and rejection and punishment of the world that he's made. As he dies for us. And the cool thing that we're going to discover as we unpack this person of Jesus is that the word grew up and he embodied God for us. And he healed people. And he changed lives. And people got free. And lives were transformed. And everyone said, there's something incredible in that guy. Jesus got statement to a broken world. But John wants to say something more. And just in this passage of scripture here, he wants to, you to know that Jesus is God's invitation to a lost people. Why, why did God speak in this way? Why did, he, why did he take this risk? Why did he send his son? Couldn't he have found a different way to do it? Well, John is very clear. He says he wants people to really know him. That's his plan. That's what he's doing. That's why he sent Jesus. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him in all the entirety of knowing him. He wants you to understand him completely, and he wants you to follow him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He's not some kind of distant God. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. In other words, he wants, he wants all people to know him. One of the very cool things you're going to discover about Jesus as you hang out looking at Jesus is that the people who shouldn't like Jesus like Jesus. And the people who should like Jesus don't like Jesus. I mean, check that out. The, people, the, the religious people can't stand Jesus because he pushes all their buttons and he exposes all their mess. Uh, but, but the people, the good time people, the, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, the people that shouldn't be doing the things that they're doing, they love hanging out with Jesus and Jesus loves hanging out with them. And he kind of throws everything on his head. Because Jesus wants to include the excluded. Jesus wants people to really know him. He's not embarrassed by them or intimidated by them. He's attracted by them, and they're attracted to him. You need to know this, that, that God's number one agenda for getting you in this building tonight, God's number one agenda for, for, for getting you around this message is that he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He already understands you because he made you. He just wants a relationship with you. And you never meet anybody that Father God doesn't love, that Jesus didn't die for, and the Holy Spirit of God isn't trying to win right now, which is a crazy mind-stretching thought, isn't it? Because you meet a whole lot of people you don't like, don't you? 
Every day, you meet people you don't like. You met people you don't like when you walked in here this evening, if you're honest. And that's okay. But you never meet anybody that God doesn't like, that God doesn't love, that God doesn't have a plan for, because that's exactly who he is and exactly what he does. God wants people to know him. He's after kids. To all those who received him, anybody, anybody who received him. He came to his own, but they didn't recognize him. He came to the religious people, and they went, really? But to anyone that would receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Why does he speak this word? Because he wants people to really live. That, that, that's his ambition. John says his primary ambition is that you would live in a relationship with him. He says this, in him was life. Implication, outside of him, there is no life. Wow. Do, do, do you know it's possible to be fully alive and not really alive? You ever thought that? Do you know it's possible to be living and not really living? Do you know it's possible to actually medically be totally alive and have half-lives, shadow lives, superficial lives, restricted lives, future-limited lives, fearful lives, guilty lives, shame-ridden lives? I see it all the time. It's all over the place. And no hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's even you today. Maybe, maybe if you were really honest about, about where your life is right now, the, 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 the facade says, I'm having a party and I'm having a blast, but inside you really know you're not living. You know, the church that I grew up in um, was, was a great place, and I learned a whole bunch of things about God. But, but in that church, there was one question, one important question you had to deal with. It was just one. And here it is. If you died tonight, where would you go? I'm not sure why you had to die at night. <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened if you died during the day. But, but if, you, if you died tonight... <laughs> Where would you go? Heaven or hell? Basically, that was the, that was the deal. Look, I'm not, I'm not ridiculing that. I'm not saying it's not an important question. I'm not saying that you need to work out your eternal destiny, and that's an important thing. But I am saying this. I, I'm absolutely convinced that Father God is just as interested in how you live as much as he is in how you die. He's just as interested in how you live. He wants people to live forever, but he wants people to live in the fullness of life today. He doesn't want people to live half-lives, shallow lives, shame-filled lives, guilt-filled lives. He wants people to have freedom and to live life in all its fullness. And he wants that for everybody. He wants that for people who have a home, and he wants it for refugees. He wants it for straight people, and he wants it for gay people. He wants it for people who, who have had experience of God and people who have had no experience of God. He wants it for people who grew up in church and people who didn't grow up in church. He wants for people to do the kind of job I do, and he wants for people who do any other kind of job. He just wants people to live. He wants people to know him, and he wants people to live. That's why he sent the word. That's what he's doing. And John says there's one more thing. There's one more thing. In him was life. In him was life. Your choice is that important. Student, listen, let me just give you a thought. The primary issue, the defining issue that sorts out whether you really live at uni is, is not at all dependent on whether you're in with the populace, whether you get into the sports team, whether you do well academically or not, whether you're on the exec at CU or you even go to CU, whether you go to the right church 
if there is even a right church. The, the, the one defining choice as to whether you live at university is what you do with Jesus. Is whether you put him front and center of your life. Is whether you stand the weight of your life on the belief in your heart that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who sent his son for you, and Jesus is alive and wants a relationship with you right now. That's the thing. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is frosting. Everything else is, is the next thing you have to think about. But that thing, secure it right now, and you will fully live. Jesus is God's statement to a broken world. And he is God's invitation to life. But I want you to know this. Jesus, says John, is God's hope for this world. I mean, let's do some work on this because it's really important. Get this right. Jesus is God's hope because he is light. What, what, what John says is, is he is the true light that is coming into the world. And when he says the true light, the word true is the, word, is the Greek word alathenios. Which, which is not true as opposed to false, but true as opposed to partial. This is really important. This is why we're getting technical. It's not true as opposed to false. It's true as opposed to partial. In other words, John is saying Jesus is not some kind of head torch so that you can just see around the next corner and you might with stumbling steps make a good choice for your next momentary decision that you have to make. He's not that head torch. He's like a floodlight. He's like a searchlight, a street light. He's the big light, not the side light. He's the full beam, not the parking light. He, he's exposing darkness and he's pushing it back. That's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's revealing a way so that you can walk in truth and in purpose. So that you're not stumbling around in the dark saying, is this the right decision or the wrong decision? No, no, no. He's made a highway so that you can know what, which way to walk and which way, which decisions to make and who to, who to be with and how to live your life. He's got a book out. That's what he's doing. He's exposing darkness. And if you make a choice about Jesus today, don't make a disinterested choice. Don't, don't, don't have him as a kind of wise addition to an already successful life or, or a temporary fix to when everything is going wrong. But choose him as the heart. Choose him as light because everything else is darkness. Choose him for, for, because, because everything else is sickness and he is health. Choose him because everything else is lost and he is the way. Choose him. Because you will not stand the weight of your life upon anything else that will hold the weight of your life. Because he's light. And John goes on to say, but he's also grace. He's grace and he's truth. He's God's unmerited favor, which means you get what you don't deserve. He's God's free gift of love. Now, now look, I, I know this sounds really obvious, but Jesus is good news. I mean, he's really good news. I mean, he's really, really good news. But the thing is that the church has often made Jesus bad news, kind of restricted news, kind of you shouldn't do that news. Ooh, don't go there news. Uh, don't hang out with those people news. No, 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 that's not the deal. Jesus is good news. And, and here's the thing, there's a whole generation of people who are running away from the God who isn't because of the way in which the church so often has postured that good news. And we've looked as if we've got good news, but we look like bulldogs chewing wasps most of the time. 
But we got this incredible news that changes lives. We got this incredible news that, that, that brings light into darkness. We got this incredible news that could change a community. We got this incredible news that can turn people's lives upside down, that can heal people, that can transform people, that can bring forgiveness to people, that can turn the lights on when people are, 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 are despairing of any hope in this world. And we walk around as if we got bad news. And what we're going to discover as we unpack the Jesus in John is that he is compassion and he is mercy and he is grace and he is life and he is fullness and he is forgiveness and he is freedom and he's the best guy to ever hang out with. And you, you better believe it. He's got good news for you, that his plans for you are to prosper you, not to ruin you. His plans might be to direct you a little bit left and a little bit right, but they're always going to bless you in the future because he's a good God. And he's got a great plan. I really wish you were a black southern Pentecostal congregation because I'm sure we'd get some kind of amen for some of that stuff rather than just some kind of, ah, loving that. Because actually he's his grace and he's truth. I totally buy the concept that truth is relative. I totally buy the concept that there is nothing that's truth. It's your idea, it's my idea, it's your concept, it's my concept. Until you meet Jesus, who we're told is the source of wisdom and the epitome of integrity. He says, I am the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. And my truth is simple, but we made it complicated. The truth is very, very simple. The truth is this. Listen carefully. If you forget everything else, listen. The truth is this. God loves you. There is a Father in heaven who loves you, who has a plan for your life that is better than the current plan that you have for your life. The plan he has is to prosper you and give you hope in uh, in the future. The truth is very simple. The truth is that hell is real, but both in all eternity and on this earth right now. And if you don't believe it, just turn on your TV and check it out. And you will believe that evil is real and hell is real. The truth is very, very simple. The truth is this, that God has a rescue plan both for you and for everybody else. And that's why he sent his word so that you would trust him because he's the only one who can live this life. He's the only one who can walk this walk. He's the only one that can bear this grace. He's the only one that can be this good news. And so he says, you come, you stand the weight of your life on me and we can do this thing together and everything that you were created for, you can have. I'm light, and I'm grace, and I'm truth. Here's the thing. If you haven't heard this about Jesus, then you haven't heard about Jesus. If you you haven't heard this stuff about Jesus, then you haven't really heard about Jesus. You've probably got some kind of comic book, Jesus, hanging out. And, and, And if you haven't known this about Jesus, you don't know Jesus and, and if you don't carry this stuff, if you're not carrying grace and truth and light, then you're not carrying Jesus. You're carrying something else that looks a little bit like Jesus, but actually, ultimately, it's not Jesus. Because this is Jesus. This is who he is in his glory and his beauty and his majesty and his truth. And it all starts with a choice. It all starts with a choice. Jesus, Jesus knew that. So on one occasion when he's hanging out with his guys, I mean, his guys were a a ragtag bunch of guys. 
His guys were fishermen and tax collectors. One was a terrorist, as you do. One was going to nick things from him. One was going to betray him. And he's just hanging out with these guys. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to reveal God to them. And he's trying to get God in them in such a way that they carry God with them. So that when he's dead and gone, and he knows that's going to happen, that they're going to carry this to the world. That's what he's trying to do with these guys. And and the apex point of his teaching and his ministry, he gathers his guys. And, And they are freaked out, I think. They're totally freaked out by Jesus. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's like, he's like center spread, pull out section. Everyone's looking at Jesus. Everyone's hearing about Jesus. And some people love him. Some people hate him. He's the most controversial figure. And he's the most attractive figure in the world ever. And everyone's around him. And he says to them, who do people say I am? And some of his followers... Some of the guys that have lived with him for about two years, that had seen his every move, gave comic book versions of Jesus to Jesus. They said, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say you're going to be a superhero, some say you're a miracle worker, some say you're a hairy prophet, some say all this kind of stuff. And, and they got all these images of Jesus and Peter stands up. And he says, no, 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 no. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're God. You're the promised one of God. And you're going to change everything. And there is nothing that you can't do. And I'm banking the weight of my life on that belief that you are God. And Jesus says this thing. This is really cool. He says, you're right. And on that profession of faith, on that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guys, at the start of a new term, as you begin to, to, to make choices, as you speculate on, on certain things, you have a go at other things, as you, as you try out things, can I beg you to make a choice regarding Jesus? You're going to make choices about a whole bunch of other things, and that's great. And I hope you have a blast and have, some, have a great time. And I hope you really enjoy your time. And I hope you learn some new stuff. And I hope you make some new friends. And I hope you do that right across the board. But, but, but as you start a new term, the key thing that will be the key thing for the rest of your life is what you think, what you say, and what you do about Jesus. And that's not even just a one-step deal. That's a dynamic deal. What you say and what you think and what you do about Jesus. I'm, I'm a kind of all-in kind of guy. Well, that's not true. I'm either all-in or I'm all-out. Certain things I'm not going anywhere near. But if I'm in something, I'm in it. I'm that kind of person. You know, if, if people are dancing, I am dancing. If, if people are swimming, I'm swimming. You know, I'm just, I'm in it, I'm in it, or I'm in it. If we're playing five-a-side, it doesn't matter that I'm 25 years older than everybody else on the pitch. I'm playing, I'm going to be the best player and re- disregard the hamstring injury that I'm bound to get. You know, I'm just in. Jesus is looking for all in. He's looking for all in. He's looking for, am I the son of God or am I not? What are you going to live for? Am I the word of God or am I not? 
Am I the ordering principle in your life or am I not? Am I the creative principle in your life or am I not? Am I grace for you or am I not? Am I truth for you or am I not? Am I light for you or am I not? Let's pray. You know, his name is very beautiful. Don't be weird about this, but his name is very beautiful. His name means, I will save my people from their sins. He is known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But he's also known as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is known as the Alpha and the Omega, which means the beginning and the end. He's the first word of God, he's the last word of God, and he's every word in between. He's known as the Lily of the Valley, which means he's beautiful, and the bright morning star, which means he's first. He's known as the Wonderful Counselor, which means there is nothing he doesn't know that he cannot give to you. He's known as the mighty God, which means there is nothing he cannot do that he is not willing to do on your behalf. His name is Everlasting Father, which means that he perfectly loves you and perfectly cares for you. His name is Prince of Peace, which means he is able to and wants to still every storm, every conflict in your life and show you the way. He himself says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. In a world that's lost its way, he is the way definitive. In a world where the truth is relative, it's your truth, my truth, any truth, he is truth that you can stand your life upon. In a world where life is so often a sham, where you pretend you're having a blast, but inside you're dying, he is life in all its fullness. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my burden, my burden is light. My burden is light. And so at the start of a new term, if you would love to come to know Jesus for the first time, you can do that tonight. And if you'd love to come to know Jesus again because you know that uh, your relationship with Jesus has become a bit comic strip, a bit transactional, a bit self-serving, a bit one-dimensional, then you can come to know him again tonight because this is a dynamic deal and you can make a choice, a choice to serve him, a choice to walk with him a choice to put him at the center, a choice for him to be the filter, a choice to live. Friend, are you sick of running? And are you sick of running your own life? Because it don't work. You were never meant to.
You're meant to walk in lockstep with the Savior of the world. That's how it works. <laughs>